Thanks for tuning in to the Link Church podcast. Link Church is located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and is committed to linking people to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. It is good for us to be in the house of the Lord this morning. God is an amazing God, isn't he? And oh, how the love of Jesus, it is like no other. Somebody would say the old church mothers used to say it's the love of Jesus that bought me. It was the love of Jesus that sought me. Came looking for me when I wasn't even looking for him. See, some of us don't want to tell on ourselves, but that's all right. Amen. The Lord is good this morning. Amen. And I will not delay or bore you any longer with my shenanigans. But I do just want to pay attention to our pastor today. Can we give it up for our pastor and his wife today? (laughs) Pastor Mark and Lady Jen. Hallelujah. We honor God for them. Amen. They are doing an awesome job. I love to give respect. The Bible says to give honor where honor is due. And I love to give honor to him. He is my friend, my brother, my partner. And I give God thanks for his life today and for his wife. Amen. And for their children. They serve well with him. Can we give that up to them? Amen. They serve well with them and we honor God for them. We are going to go right to the word of God. It is good to see all your smiling faces. That's just a hint for you to smile. So I'm going to just throw it out there. It's good to see all your smiling faces this morning. It's all right. Put a smile on your face. Don't scare me. And I promise I will not be long up here. Let's go to the word of God. We are going to the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, There's a few passages or a few verses that I want to read. So we're going to be kind of jumping So we want to go to 1 Samuel chapter number 13, and we are going to read two verses from there, verse number 13 and verse number 14. It is going to be projected on the screens for us to read. And out of reverence to the reading of God's word, and a custom of this house is that we stand if you are able to do so. If you are unable to, then please, by all means, feel free to remain seated. But we are going to read today. Amen. You ready? I need y'all to read with me, all right? Let's, let's, let's go to the word of God. Let's begin. Then Samuel said to Saul, you have made a foolish choice. You have not obeyed the commandment that the Lord your God gave you. Had you done that, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom will not continue The Lord has sought out for himself a man who is loyal to him, and the Lord has appointed him to be a leader over his people. For you have not obeyed what the Lord commanded you. Then we're going to go to chapter number 15 and just one verse, number 28. Let's read together. Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to one of your colleagues who is better than you. Now we're going to go over to chapter number 16, and we're going to read verse 1, and then I'm going to skip a couple verses and go down. So we're going to go verse number 1, and then we'll jump down to verse number 6. So let's read. The Lord said to Samuel, How long do you intend to mourn for Saul? I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with olive oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse in Bethlehem, For I have selected a king for myself among his sons. Let's go down to verse number 6. When they arrived, Samuel noticed Eliab and said to himself, Surely here before the Lord stands his his chosen king. Let's keep going. 
But the Lord said to Samuel, don't be impressed by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. God does not view things the way men do. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Let's keep going. Then Jesse called Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Let's keep going. Then Jesse presented Shammah. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse presented seven of his sons to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, is that all of the young men? Jesse replied, there is still the youngest one, but he's taking care of the flock. Pay attention to that. But he is taking care of the flock. Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we cannot turn our attention to other things until he comes here. So Jesse had him brought in. Now he was ruddy with attractive eyes and a handsome appearance. The Lord said, go and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn full of olive oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. The spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day onward. Then Samuel got up and went to Ramah. Just while you're standing for a brief moment, we are going to talk from the subject, matters of the heart. Matters of the heart. Let's just bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you for the time that you have allowed us to stand together as a, your people. And I just pray today, God, that you would feed your children out of the volume of your book. It's your spirit that gives life. Your word is living and it is powerful. And so we're asking that your word would find us right where we are, for it's a discerner of the thought and intentions of our hearts. There is nothing that we can hide from you, Lord. You know everything about us. The very secrets of our hearts are revealed to you. And so we open ourselves and ask you to have your way in us. And through us, we speak to every devil in this house and we command you to go. You are not welcome in this place. And we invite the spirit of God to have his way right now. Have your way right now, Holy Spirit. We give you thanks for the victory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Matters of the heart, matters of the heart. I find the book of Samuel to be one of the most interesting books, to be honest with you. I've read, I think, I can't even count the amount of times, I think I've read about the story of David and about Saul. And going back through it, I found some things that I had never seen in the book before. And it's one of the most books, honestly, that I guess since the year started, and it just started, uh, that's been jumping out at me and just been speaking to me personally. God has certainly, certainly just been dealing with me about quite a bit. And, and, and I find that this is the direction that the Lord wants us to go. Uh, the, the book of, of Samuel deals with transitions. I realize that there's a lot of transitions that go on in the book of Samuel. It moves from one thing to the next. So they're moving from a period where they are being served or they're ruled under judges, as it were. So God had set up judges, so we find people like Samson and Barak and 
and uh, a few others that God had used. And so now they're being transitioned from that period to now where they are requesting or asking of God for a king. So now they're moving from being ruled or governed by judges now to a system of monarchy. They want a king. Transitions are being made. In the first chapter of the book, the Bible tells us about Hannah or about Elkanah who had two wives. Men don't try that. He had uh, two wives, Hannah and Penina. And the Bible said that uh, Penina was fruitful. She bore uh, Elkanah quite a few number of children. And Anna was barren, but Anna was the one that he loved. And so because she was barren, the Bible said that the Lord had shut up her womb. So she, she, she would cry out to God. And I even find that to be one of the most interesting stories uh, in, in reading it. The Bible said that Penina would provoke her daily. I believe she would walk by her house and would kind of just rub the belly a little bit every time she walked past and kind of check this out. You know, it was one of those. The Bible said that she would provoke Hannah to the point where she would cry she was in distress about the situation, but God would move her from a place of barrenness and transition her onto a place of fruitility. So she would transition from being barren to crying out before God in the temple and the Lord would hear her prayer and God would grant her the request of her heart. And the Bible said she would come to know her husband in the biblical sense. And uh, the Bible said that she would now conceive and would bear his son by the name of Samuel. And herein we find another transition that's about to take place because at this particular time, Eli is now the priest in the temple. Just bear with me for a little bit. Eli is now the priest along with his two sons that are in the temple. And this is who God would use. In fact, when, when Hannah was in the temple praying, the Bible said that it was Eli who sat and he watched her as she would pray. And the Bible said that Eli watched her and he asked her at one point because her moaning was so heavy uh, and her groaning was so strong before God that Eli thought that she was drunk. And he even approached her and asked her, what is it or why would she be drunk in the presence of the Lord? Amen. But her weeping was just so heavy and her desire was so great that the Bible said that she bore out her soul unto the Lord. And so Eli was the priest that was in the temple at the time. And so now God would now make a transition from Eli unto who would now be Hannah's son, Samuel. Eli began to groom Samuel. So we, we, we would watch the transition now go from Eli over onto Samuel. See, Eli had two sons, uh, Hophni and Phinehas, who were serving, but they weren't pleasing in the eyes of God. They would do things that were uh, reptable or reptobate, as it were, before God. And God was not pleased with it. And so he would have to now move them out of the way. This is one of those things that allowed me to recognize that nothing is permanent as it were with God. No position that any of us holds is ever permanent with God. I know I, I grew up kind of old school and they believe that I'm going to die at my post. So if I'm the pastor, I'm going to be the pastor until I drop dead. And then when I'm gone, they can establish somebody else. Long gone was it for them to groom or prepare somebody to be their replacement. And I don't even think that Eli recognized that he was actually grooming his replacement. He was now grooming Samuel who would now transition into his position.
And so we watch God do what he does. God is a God of transition. We, we would see him. And, and I, I believe many of us are in that place. Our lives have moved from stage to stage. And, and it rightfully ought to be so. Our pastor told us a while back that we are all living organisms. And anything that is living has to grow. If you are living, you should be growing. If you are serving God, you should be growing in your relationship with God. If, if you are spending time time developing a business you should grow as a business person no matter what it is as you progress we should get better as we progress we should grow we should move from stage to stage for the bible says that we should go from stage to stage and from glory to glory god is calling us to come up to a higher place for the bible says that there are deeper depths and there are higher heights in god there is no stagnancy with god i gotta tell you that he is a god who likes to move he is a God who never stays still but he is always doing something so much so that the Bible said that he told Moses that he has power to exceed his own greatness some of us are in a transition and some of us our transition may be bigger than others and so depending on where you are in your walk with God or where you are in your transition in your life then God is going to require of you to position yourself differently if you you drive any at all right when, when you're driving a smaller vehicle and it's about to take a corner if you're driving a small car then it doesn't take much for you just to go around the corner but I realize that the bigger your vehicle is the wider you must make your turns so if you're a tractor trailer then you've got to make sure you're positioning yourself long before you get to your turn before you can get around the corner some of us have a tractor trailer blessing that's on our lives and in order for us to kind of walk into it or flow into it correctly God wants us to position ourselves long before we get there don't wait till you get to the corner and then try to make the blessings or make the turn when when you haven't positioned yourself right because if you do that what you're gonna do is you're gonna hit the curb and God doesn't want you to hit the curb in other words he doesn't want you to have any hiccups going into what he's about to carry you into there is a blessing that God has waiting for you but you have to position yourself correctly in order to receive the blessing without there being any hiccups we've got to position ourselves and so we've watched the transition go now from 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 Eli to Samuel but God didn't stop there he began to make a transition Saul is now king over Israel the people had cried out to God said we want a king give us a king they said listen Samuel is getting old and his sons ain't doing so great so give us a king so we can serve like the other nations and God was certainly displeased as, as was Samuel was displeased but God said to Samuel listen he says don't worry about it Samuel they have not rejected you but I am the one that they have rejected so let's let's give them the thing they desire let's give them what they ask for let's give them what they ask for and I, I feel I need to pause and tell you be careful what you ask for because the things that we ask for sometimes isn't always the thing that we need. It may be the thing that we want, but it's not necessarily the thing that we need. And God sometimes will give us the thing that we want just to show us that that's not we, what we really need. 
And so we've got to be careful what we ask for. And so they ask for a king and God says, you know what, fine. But make sure you warn them and tell them what's going to happen when they receive a king, when they get a king. And so Samuel was careful to give them all of the information that God gave to him. And the people says, that's fine. We will deal with it, but we want us a king. And the Bible said that now uh, uh, Saul comes on the scene. And when Saul shows up on the scene, when Samuel looks at him or when the people sees him, they say, listen, this one looks like a king. He fits the description of the king. He had all of what it looked like to be a king. So he was the right height. He had the right color eyes. He had the right built, right? He had the good looking face. And the people said, this is who we want. This, this is who we want. And, and so Saul says, fine. Let me, Samuel rather says, okay, let's, let's anoint him and make him king. And so Saul was anointed to be king over the children of Israel. But not long after, Saul began to displease God. So he started out on his journey right. He started out right. He started doing the things that God had required of him. So much so to the point that the spirit of God, the word said, had come up on him. And he began to prophesy like the other prophets. And they actually thought for a second that Saul was one of the prophets. And so he was walking in the mode of God. But somewhere along the line, over time, Saul became disobedient to the instructions that would be given to him through the Samuel somewhere along the line Saul would become arrogant and do whatever it was that he wanted in other words Saul got comfortable in his position and that's easy to do especially as believers have you ever felt like you've been walking with God long enough now that you feel man I can let my guards down just a little bit Oh, yeah, I don't want to tell the truth. I, I've walked with God where you go, you know what? I don't mind. I don't think God's going to mind if I skip a prayer time. I don't think God is going to mind if I go a day and don't read the word. I, I don't think God's going to mind if, if, if today I just don't walk in humility or if, if, if I don't say something kind to anybody today just for a day. I've said it before. There are times I felt like I wanted to lay my Christianity down and just handle some things and then pick it back up. I've had those moments and I've had those days where you kind of grow comfortable in your walk with God and you kind of begin to take some things for granted. But, and, and, and I believe that's where Saul found himself, where he got complacent, so much so to the point where he wouldn't even now follow the instructions of Samuel the priest. Have you ever been so comfortable that even when the word of God is being preached and you're hearing, you're being told not to go down this road or you're being told or being admonished to make certain transitions and shifts in your life you're being encouraged to do or not to do and yet we've become disobedient and we say well listen I know God for myself I know God better than you think I know God or you go I got my own relationship with God I don't need you to tell me what to do who are you to tell me what to do who are you to tell me where to go don't sit there and act like y'all don't ever say that stuff when the preacher is up here preaching or you've been admonished by somebody or someone to do 
do something in the word of God. Saul got comfortable. Saul got complacent and he would now move out of his place and start doing things that wasn't even his responsibility to do. He started to now figure, hey, these guys are now leaving me. I'm in the middle of the battle and God is not talking to me. People are now abandoning me and I, I need to do something. So he reaches for the sacrifice and he does what wasn't his job to do. He now offers up a burnt offering unto the Lord rather than wait for the priest as he was supposed to. He offered up a burnt offering unto the Lord and the thing displeased God because that was not his responsibility and not long after he had done that Samuel shows up on the scene and said man what in the world have you done and after he is confronted he begins to tell everything that was going on these guys were about to leave me I was waiting for you to show up and you didn't show up and so I had to make a decision as the king and so I chose to offer it up and so because he did that and the thing displeased God so much so the Bible said that God told Saul I am going to take the kingdom away from you your kingdom was supposed to be established forever but out of his act of disobedience, he would now lose the kingdom. He would no longer have a descendant after him to sit on the throne. And I watched this because I believe Saul still had a shot. What God said was that your descendants would no longer sit on the throne after you. Not that you would no longer sit on the throne, but at this point, you have now affected your lineage. Be careful what it is that you do, what you say, where you go. The decisions that you make now may not affect you, but it's going to affect those that are going to come after you. It could affect those that are coming out of you. And don't look at that from just a negative standpoint. The good decisions you make will also affect those that are coming behind you. I believe Saul still had a shot. But they kept going. And so he was given another instructions to go out and destroy the Amalekites. He says, destroy the king Agag and everything else that you come across when you're fighting. Don't spear anything, nothing. Don't leave anything that is breathing alive. Saul goes into battle with the men. And they decide, well, I've been walking long enough with God. God understands. You ever said that? God understands. And he decides, I'm going to spear the best of the livestock. And I'm going to hold on to King Agag for a little bit. And so he disobeyed the instructions of God once again. Now Samuel shows up on the scene and again says, brother, what in the world did you do? He says, I have obeyed everything the Lord says. Samuel says, really? Because if you did that, then what's the sound I'm hearing in my ears? I can hear me some sheep and some goats that's making some serious noise. So if you did everything that God says, then why do I hear the sound of animals in my ears? arrogance kick in and now he goes from being arrogant to now starts to blame the people. He says, the men decided that they would spear the best of the cattle so they could offer it and his language was that he would offer it up to your God 
not my God. All of a sudden now, it's your God, Samuel. This is not my God. Has he been claiming God all along? But at this particular point, he finds himself in a conundrum. And now he is going, they speared the best of the cattle so they can offer it up to your God. The king is now playing the blame game. Everything rises and falls, they say, on leadership, but not with Saul. No, not me. It wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Sound like Shaggy, right? It wasn't me. Don't act like y'all don't know that song. He starts to play the blame game. No, it's not me. It's these men. But everything, there would be no decision that would be made without Saul's permission and it was at this point that God said Saul I have had enough and now I am going to pull the kingdom out of your hand I am going to transition this thing now from you and give it to somebody else who has a heart for me he pulls it from him and he is now giving it to someone else and the Bible said that uh, now Samuel is at this point mourning over Saul mourning he's sad now that God had made a decision finally to cut Saul off God says man listen enough with the crying get up I got something else in store I've got something else in store. Again, let's go back to it. Nobody has a right to anything in the kingdom of God but God. God decides who stays and who goes. Who sets one up. The word says he's the one who sets one up and he's the one who pulls another down. No position that you have can be given to you outside of that which belongs to God. And if you violate the things that God calls you to do, then you've given God every right to move you out of the way and position who he chooses to put in the way. Samuel shows up at the house of Jesse in Bethlehem and the Bible says that when he gets there he walks in and immediately Eliab is standing before him and Saul now ready Samuel rather is now ready to make a decision for God I find this real interesting because now Samuel begins to treat the next appointment the very same way he treated the first appointment. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm trying to say, God is saying, Samuel, listen, I don't want you to put any restrictions on me. He's saying, Samuel, don't lock me in a box just because that's the way I did things before. It doesn't mean that that's the same way I'm going to do it now. And I just want to tell somebody that just because God did it one way before, it doesn't mean that God is going to do it the same way again. God has power to exceed his own greatness. Come on here. God has the ability to do whatever it is that he wants wants to whenever he wants to to whoever he wants to however he wants to because he is God you cannot confine God to any position or way of doing things God is always blowing our minds 
If you look in the New Testament, when God decided to heal through Jesus, he never did the same thing twice. Even if he healed your blind man, he might have spoke a word and the eyes were open. The next time he was spitting in dirt and rubbing it on his eyes. The next time he was saying, go wash in the pool of Siloam. Why? Because God does not want to be figured out. So away with all you folks that tell me you've got the formula for God and that God has to heal this way and that if you do it this way then this is what God is going to do you cannot lock my God into a box you just got to go with the flow this is why it's real important for us to lend our ears to God in everything in everything the word says in all our ways we should pay attention to him and he will direct our path why because he may not do it the same way again Samuel shows up at the house and immediately he is ready to operate the very same way he operated the first time when he ran into Saul. He acknowledged that Saul was beautiful, that he was a good looking man. And the people chose him. And if you recognize the people chose him and God says, okay. God didn't make the decision. The people said that's who we want. God says, okay now this time God says no 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 you don't get to choose I make the decision this time God says I am the one that's going to make the choice this time why because I don't see things the way you see things he says, I don't look at the outward appearance of man. He says, I don't care if he's six foot six, tall, dark, and handsome. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care how much bulging biceps he got. I don't want Eliab. That's not my choice. I don't want Shama, and I don't want none of these that are sitting before me. Why? Because they look good. No, God says, I'm past all of that by now. What I want is somebody who's got the heart what I want is somebody who's right on the inside what I want is somebody that's going to be obedient to whatever it is that I tell them to do that's going to go wherever I tell them I want them to go that's going to say only what I want them to say I want somebody with the right heart it was so bad that David wasn't even allowed in the house can you imagine that he wasn't even good looking enough to be in the house they said bro you belong out there in the field with them sheeps back there that's where you belong we don't even want you in the house little did they know that they were prepping him little did they know that they were helping him to become all that God wanted him to become so don't feel bad when they kick you to the curb don't feel bad when they kick you out their group don't feel bad when they won't have certain conversations with you don't feel bad when they won't invite you to go with them God is preparing you for where he is taking you and for what he is about to do in your life don't be so hung up on it baby even the very things that you see them put on social media you feel bad sometimes when they post that event right and they didn't even invite you I didn't even know about that you find out through Facebook and you feel terrible about it but don't even feel bad about it just stay in your place just just hold your position and let God do what he wants to do in your life 
David is out there in the fields handling business. Young boy just sitting out there doing, doing his work. Just doing his work, taking care of the sheep. And the Bible would say that when he was out there, then a sheep and a bear came, or, or the lions came rather, and the bear came to, to grab the sheep or would grab him and run, and David would chase him down and would tear him up with his beer hands. And I love that part of the story. But what I realize is most people always talk about the sheep or the bear and the lion, right? So we talk about him fighting Goliath because David does testify of that. But we focus so much on that, that that's what David was out there doing. Like God used him to make him a mighty warrior. But there was a part of David that was being built from leading sheep. God was building up his leadership. He wasn't getting no leadership skills when he was out there fighting lions and bears. When he was leading them stubborn old sheep sheep out there them things that wanted to do whatever it was they wanted to do and go wherever it was that they wanted to go God was developing his leadership skills don't you ever think for one minute that that child that's getting on your nerve is just getting on your nerve for the fun of it God is trying to develop your leadership ability God is trying to develop in you something for what's coming that you won't even recognize David was about to be the king over Israel and he couldn't just lead them only in battle he had to be able to lead them when they were stubborn when they talked about him when they ridiculed him when they mocked him he had to learn how to stay focused and keep leading anyway when he was going to be laughed at when he was going to be ridiculed because he would dance out of his clothes. If he didn't possess the ability to lead right, he would have probably paused and called her forth and put her to death. But because God was molding him in the fields, because God was putting inside of him leadership qualities and leadership abilities and teaching him how to hold this peace and to stay still and let me fight your battles for you, then God, hallelujah, began to develop develop him so when he got out in public he wasn't an embarrassment did he make mistakes yes he did but he stuck with it because he didn't abandon the sheep see it's because of his leadership skills and his love for the sheep that when the bear and the lion came and grabbed one of the sheep if there wasn't no leadership in him and no love in him there was no way he was gonna go chase after that sheep and snag him back but God was working something in him God was working something in him the things that you are dealing with God is using it to work something in you you're not fitting in on the job or you're struggling with things on the job why because God is working something in you they're getting on your nerve why because God might be prepping you to boot you right out the door to get you to start your own thing God may be just prepping you to deal with that child that's coming along why because you might just run right into link kids and have to come deal with some kids that's off the rockers and God is just trying to teach you the very same way you handle that situation then God says I've got the ability to give you the grace now to deal with them people in linkages oh y'all better laugh for real I'm telling you it sounds funny right kids ain't no joke everything that you are dealing with can I tell you there are no wasted experiences I realize with God 
Can I say that again? There are no wasted experiences with God. Do not despise the things that you are dealing with. Don't take it lightly or think it's just happening because it's happening. The word says that God works in all things together for our good. He works in all things. He works in all things. He works in all things. The scripture speaks of the heart on numerous numerous occasions numerous numerous amounts of occasion and throughout the book of Samuel is constantly echoed over and over again I didn't even recognize or realize how many times the Lord would talk about the heart right but he wasn't referring to the physical heart right he wasn't talking about the heart that pumps blood what he is talking about is the emotion it's the, it's the internal side of us that cannot be seen and so the physical heart because it cannot be seen is often likened to the spirit why because because it is invisible to the natural eyes. And I realized that when God works, he doesn't work backwards. See, I grew up in church and for a long time, what we've done was we work the reverse where we try to get people to look the part. So we told you what to wear. We told you where to go or where not to go. We worked on the external aspect of it, thinking that if you look the part, then you would be all right. But I came to realize as I got older and I dug deep into the word of God that God works the reverse. He is the kind of God that works from the ending of a thing to the beginning of a thing, right? That's why the Bible says that he is alpha and that he is omega, that he is beginning and that he is the ending. God works in the reverse. So when he is working on us, when he wants us to change, when he wants us to be transformed, the Bible says that he turns to the heart. If I can get you right on the inside, if I can get your mind right, if I, if I can get your head right, then I don't have to worry about telling you what you should wear or where you should go. That's not my responsibility. If I can get the spirit of God on the inside of you and let him do the work that he needs to do on the inside of you, then everything on the outside will line up with what's on the inside. Why? Because the Bible says that it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks it's out of the heart that all the issues of life flow God is concerned about the internal you he wants the inside to get right he wants the inside to get right I know I may not look like it and I'm all right with that. Fine, I don't care if I'm not six foot six. That's your business. I just want my heart right. Fine, I don't have the money that you have, but that's all right too. I just want my heart to be right. Fine, I don't have the kind of college degrees that you've got, but I just want my heart to be right. Fine, my girl don't look as good as yours does, but all I want is for my heart to be right. Fine, I don't have all the money in the world and all all the fame and all the attention and all the accolades that you have but I'm okay with that why because all I want is my heart to be right and if I get my heart right oh God if I get my heart right if I get the kind of heart that God 
wants me to have the kind of heart that will make me wake up at six o'clock in the morning and pursue after God it's the kind of heart that will make me search the word not out of duty or out of obligation but out of a love for God it's it's the kind of heart that makes me go Lord like David that says Lord has the deer pants after the water broke so does my soul long after you it's the heart that God wants to get right because if you get your heart right none of these other things that are going on around you will matter anymore if you get your heart right then you will put God first and you already know if you ever seek him first his kingdom and his righteousness then God says everything else you've got is going to be added everything else that you want is going to be added to you it's the heart that matters it's the heart that matters can I tell you what you do God doesn't even really care about so much if I said that where I was coming from they boot me out the church God does not so much so care about what you do or rather God does not care about what you do as much as why you do what you do if you have the right motive then that's what matters to God you don't believe me if we go to Matthew chapter number six Jesus is teaching his disciples and he says to his disciples he says when you pray he says don't pray like the hypocrites do right why he says when they pray they love to pray in the synagogues and standing up in street corners so that they can be seen of men he says when you fast he says don't fast like the hypocrites do right because they they disfigure their face and walk around looking mean as a junkyard dog so everybody can know that they are fasting but God says listen when you fast go wash your face put some oil on your head put some perfume on don't let nobody know what you are doing why because it's the things that you do in secret on the internal side of you that God says I'm going to reward openly if you do it behind closed doors if you would just go in your closet and shut the door forget who's looking at you forget who's watching you forget what anybody else has to say and if you get with God and be more concerned about what God has to say and get your heart right then everything else is going to line up I am done everybody stand to your feet for a second I look through this And what God is more concerned about, I can't even overemphasize it, is the condition of the heart. If you look back at chapter number one, Hannah shows up in the temple and she begins to cry out to God. And in her prayer, the Bible said that she prayed, verse number 13 said that she prayed from her heart. Her lips move. There was no sound whatsoever, but she prayed from her heart. And because she prayed from her heart, then God gave her Samuel. When Eli displeased God, God sent a man of God, as the word says, in chapter number three and around verse number 35. He says, I am going to rise up someone who will pursue after my 
heart. Someone that's going to do the things that are in my heart to do. Because what matters to God is the heart. It's the internal aspect. And so when God got ready to choose another king, he would go after someone who had the heart. The heart of humility. The heart of forgiveness. The heart of love. A heart of compassion. The heart of endurance. The heart to fight. The heart to stand in difficult times. And that's what God wants from us today. He is looking for the heart. It's fine if you mess up. Yes, I said it's fine. Why? Because there's nothing that you can do or will ever do that God was never aware of anyway. He took consideration of everything that any one of us would do even before we did it. And the Bible says that while we were in our sins, Christ died. So before you could tell a lie, he died. Before you could cheat somebody, he died. Before you could, you could backbite, he died. Before you could cuss, he died. Before you could fornicate, he died. Before you could sniff coke, marijuana, whatever it is. Before you could do a drug, club, name it. Before you did any of it, and even after you did any of it, he died. And the blood of Jesus is still potent enough to wash you and to wash me and make us clean and present us faultless. I didn't say that. That's what the Bible says. That he will present us faultless before the presence of God. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. For more information about Link Church, you can visit us on the web at www.linkchurchnc.org.